HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by greatbrewers.com, a social media marketing platform dedicated to promoting the world's great brewers and the beers they create. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's April 15th, 2014. We've got a special show tonight with Steve Hindy from Brooklyn Brewery and the Queens Beer Week guys, all on heritageradionetwork.org. Thanks to our sponsor, greatbrewers.com, a comprehensive website aimed at bringing the beer community together. And we've got a, a new book out by Steve Hindy. It's The Craft Beer Revolution. We're going to talk to him about that tonight. And we've got some people from Queens. Queens Beer Week is, is coming up soon. So, uh... We have a good show. First, let's introduce a couple of our guests. Uh, Steve Hindy, co-founder of Broken Brewery, and he's the author of The Craft Beer Revolution. Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jimmy. How are you? we got Dan Bronson of Queens Beer Week, who's the organizer of that. He works at Crimson and Vine in Queens. How are you, buddy? Hey, guys. Nice okay. to see you. And on right now, we got Tommy Ortega from Sunswick, another uh, guy who's part of Queens Beer Week, and Ben Sandler from Queens Kickshaw. How's it going, Jimmy? All right, we have a few other guests joining us tonight on the show. We wanted to first uh, talk to Steve about about his new book. As many of you know, uh, Brooklyn Brewery has been the leader in uh, in craft beer in New York f- for many years, and uh, so, you know since uh, they started, they've come a long way. Uh, right now, uh, last week, Governor Cuomo announced there were over 150 breweries in New York State alone. Uh, and in New York City, there's the, the solid New York City Brewers Guild, which is now running New York City Beer Week. So there's, there's a lot has changed uh, since Steve started. So, Steve, let, let's cut to the chase. Uh, tell us in a few words a little bit about your new book, The Craft Beer Revolution. Well, it's a history of, of craft beer all across the country. You know, uh, I started Brooklyn Brewery in 1988, but I've been involved with the, the Brewers Association in its various incarnations uh, since the early 90s. So, uh, you know, I've kind of had an insider view of the development of the industry. And ha- having been a journalist before I got into this, uh, all along the way I've been thinking, you know, someday i got to tell this story because it's an amazing story of 2,800 companies, 2,800 entrepreneurs all across the country doing their thing, passion for beer, but it's also the story of uh, the collective efforts by those 2,800 breweries through the Great American Beer Festival, the Craft Brewers Conference. Uh, it's really been a great collegial group of, of people. You know, the subtitle of my book is How a Band of Microbrewers is Transforming the World's Favorite Drink. And I really mean that. It is a band of brewers who have, who have put this whole thing together and really driven the growth of the industry. I don't think we'd be where we are today with essentially 10% of the U.S. beer market and probably 15 16% by dollars were it not for the collective efforts of craft brewers. It, it's a great collegial industry. We're all in this together, and uh, I think we all believe that uh, a rising tide lifts all boats. You know, you wrote another book, uh, uh, earlier book, with uh, your partner, Tom Potter. Uh, how does this book differ from that one? That was uh, well, 
Beer School, Bottling Success at the Brooklyn Brewery. Yeah, Beer School is all about the Brooklyn Brewery. I mean, it's a very uh, kind of personal story of our adventures uh, selling beer in New York City and, and starting a brewery in Brooklyn. The craft beer revolution begins with Fritz Maytag in San Francisco, goes to Jack McAuliffe, Susie Dennison, and Jane Zimmerman at uh, New Albion Brewery, uh, Sierra Nevada, Red Hook, uh, through the 80s and 90s and up to the present day. And uh, that, that's a comprehensive history of the whole industry and, and an inside history, too. A lot of, a lot of great stories that I uh, kind of collected over the years. Well, there's a lot of great people in the book. One of the most interesting sections is when you talk about the class of 1988, the breweries that started then. Uh, tell us about you. I know you have a lot of friends who, who are those brewers, and just tell us why you why you pick that year uh, and and some of the breweries and what they mean to you. Well, it was probably a little selfish because I started in 1988, uh, and but I I think that that year is very interesting uh, because I I profile. Uh, I think it's 13 breweries that started that year that are still in business. And the interesting thing about that group is 12 of the 13 started out as brew pubs uh, and eventually became production breweries. So breweries like uh, Deschutes, uh, uh, Rogue, uh, Goose Island, uh, Gordon Biersch, uh, they all started uh, in 1988 Many of them with, you know, pretty modest expectations of having a brewery restaurant. Uh, but, you know, people loved their beer. They expanded. They got into production. And they ended up being some of the biggest uh, uh, breweries uh, in America. Well, uh, so the, the wine coop uh, brewer, John Hickenlooper, uh, so he's gone on to become governor. Yeah. So how yeah. does that, you know, how do you see the industry well, involved in that? You know, uh, my first book, Beer School, I got Mayor Bloomberg to write a foreword. And so working on the craft beer revolution, I thought it'd be great to get John Hickenlooper, who started the Windcoop Brewery in, in Denver in 1988, and then became mayor of Denver and then became governor of Colorado. It'd be great to get John to write, uh, write the foreword to the book. Because, you know, what John did in, in Lodo, which is lower downtown section of Denver, in, in bringing life to an area that was kind of vacant warehouses and uh, high crime area. It's, it's very similar to what Brooklyn Brewery did in Williamsburg uh, 25 years ago in, in uh, bringing life to an area that, uh, you know, I mean, there, to be fair, there were plenty of artists there uh, in the buildings and uh, there was a exciting kind of scene, but it was really underground and... Uh, I think the brewery helped spur the development that uh, has has really uh, gone way beyond where anyone ever expected in in Williamsburg. Well, that's an interesting angle. You know how the breweries kind of came along as all these emerging neighborhoods were developing. So you said that uh, way back then you had a, a warehouse out here in, in uh, Williamsburg and Bushwick. In Bushwick, yeah. Actually, uh, we're we're here at Roberta's restaurant in in Bushwick, and our warehouse was uh, right around the corner and up the street on Messerol. And it's the old uh, Otto Huber Brewing Company, which after Prohibition became the Edward B. Hittleman uh, Brewery. And uh, the reason we ended up there uh, is because we met this crusty old landlord, Henry Von Dam. Uh, Henry owned a lot of property in, Williams, in, in Bushwick, and he offered us free rent and you know, as a startup company, that was kind of irresistible. But he also taught us a lesson about free rent. The free rent was on the second floor of the building. So <laughs> it only took, uh, you know, it only took a few weeks of trying to get beer up to that second floor and then trying to get it down again to sell it for us to realize that it was totally unrealistic. And we ended up renting ground floor, floor space from Henry. Uh, so... He was a wily old landlord uh, and, a, and a real character. Uh, uh, that area at that time, uh, truck drivers would not come in there after dark. Uh, it was really a high crime area. Uh, but, uh, you know, we learned a lot from, uh, from being based there. And uh, I have fond memories of, of Bushwick. 
you know, I honestly can't imagine what it was like back then. I know when I first started in this industry, it's probably 1990, 91, and I got to buy buy wine and beer at a a, a Manhattan restaurant. Uh, it was the the salesmen from Brooklyn Brewery were the first people that introduced me to craft beer. You had a uh, Jim Munson and uh, Ed Raven. Yeah, and they came in with a box of a hundred different imports, things like Chimay, and uh, you had Rogue, and it was the first time I'd ever tried anything like that. Yeah, our warehouse was beer heaven. Uh, we had all the great breweries of Belgium and Germany and, and Britain, and we had about uh, 15 uh, American micros that we were uh, distributing. You know, we started out peddling Brooklyn lager uh, on our own, out of a van, uh, door-to-door in uh, March of 1988, and in retrospect, I, I really can't believe anyone bought anything from us because, <laughs> you know, we we were selling at a price right above Heineken. Uh, we had no money for marketing. Uh, no one had ever heard of the beer. And uh, we couldn't give anyone credit. So, you know, we wanted to be paid cash for something no one had ever heard of. But, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm so thankful for the retailers who believed in what we were doing, you know, at least we had the brains to name it Brooklyn. So how could they say no to Brooklyn? Uh, and, but it was really those early retailers like American Beer uh, in, in, uh, in uh, Brooklyn Heights and, and Carroll Gardens and uh, uh, Teddy's Bar and Grill in, in Williamsburg, uh, Joe McFeely, McFeely's over in Park Slope, which is now uh, uh, Santa Fe Grill. Uh, you know, those folks believed in us. They bought the beer and it sold. So they reordered and they paid us. And, you know, we just kind of scratched it out from there. The first day we delivered to to five customers and and Joe Marino took uh, 48 cases. That was a pallet of beer. And I'll never forget. Uh, he told me Joe Lamuccio, who was the uh, Budweiser distributor, uh, in Brooklyn, Joe Lamuccio walked into Joe's, Joe Marino's store, and Joe had a pallet of Brooklyn on sale in the front of the store. And Joe Lamuccio said, Joe, what do you got that shit up front for? And, and Joe Marino said, hey, Joe, I'm selling a pallet a week of that shit. And uh, that was a very proud moment for me when Joe told me that story. So you guys, really, you know, you had to work the neighborhood. and I mean, I know it was different because you, you're right, definitely on price point. I mean, who can remember in 1988 buying beer? I mean, you go into a store and, and you got what you got or you went, you went into a bar and maybe something was 50 cents or a dollar. And that's what we were buying back then. So it's amazing that, that you and any of these, this class of 88 uh, made it at all. I mean, how did you do it? I, like I said, I, I, I can't believe anyone bought anything from us. Uh, to be honest... A lot of people spit the beer out when they tasted it. You know, they said, God, this is so bitter. It's dark. Why don't you make a beer like Heineken? I said, well, you know, I think Heineken makes a pretty good beer called Heineken. And, you know, I want to do something different. But back then, people didn't know what craft beer was. I mean, we were making it up uh, as we went along. You know, we we were not the pioneers to the extent that New Albion or, or Sierra Nevada or or Red Hook was, but, you know, in a way, we were all pioneers in our home markets. And and New York was a very tough nut to crack because New York is a huge import town. I mean, even to this day, I think New York lags behind other cities in terms of craft beer. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm very confident that's going to change. And as you know, there are about 15 uh, craft breweries now in, in New York City and that's a, a very recent uh, development. Uh, in my first, uh, say, 15 years uh, making beer uh, in New York, uh, there were probably about 25 or 30 startup breweries that went out of business. I mean, uh, New York was kind of a harsh environment for craft breweries. I mean, it, it's only the older guys that remember that. I mean, yeah. I heard of, I've never been to any of them. I heard of Zip City. There were a few others. One was called a typhoon or something like a, a Times Square brewery. Yeah, yeah. The uh, and, and uh, you know there was a, a brewery in in Red Hook. Uh, the guy spent a couple of million dollars and and never even opened. Um, there was a, a brewery in Hoboken that got going. One out in uh, uh, Stewart Avenue, out in Garden City. There were several in Long Island. 
I, I think the biggest hurdle for all of them and the biggest reason for failure was distribution. You know, we were out there distributing our own beer. I mean, it, it was really tough uh, uh, because, you know, we weren't giving credit in the beginning. And, uh, you know, parking tickets were just ridiculous. Uh, I mean, the, actually, our last year in business in 2003, we spent $60,000 in parking tickets. We paid wow, more in parking crazy. tickets than we did for gasoline that year. And we only had eight trucks. Um uh, <laughs> So it wasn't easy, but I think distributing our own beer enabled us to prevail where a lot of other companies failed. You know, I can see that. And um, let me just ask the other guys. We've got all the Queens guys here. Ben, what, what was the first time you ever had a, a, a Brooklyn beer? You want to say a few things about that? Do you remember? You love to put me on the spot, don't you, Jimmy? <laughs> you're just because you're the voice of Queens now. Come on. Uh, well, you know, you're the new generation. I, I grew Steve, up, and now you're the new generation. I grew up in New York, and um, I can't say that in 1988 I had a, a Brooklyn beer at all. Um, I can tell this story now. My dad took me to the beach uh, as as a youngster, uh, and we would drink beer on the way to the beach, and it was a uh, Yunling, um, which you know it, he was not feeding me Budweiser, obviously, which was pretty we, cool. We were distributing Yunling at that time. Well, then, great. <laughs> we were supporting you. <laughs> Um, I think probably the first time I had a Brooklyn uh, beer was uh, probably after work. I was working at Nobu the first it was about eight nine years ago, uh, in probably two thousand six or so, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was just the first time. <laughs> and, and what beers have we just had? So for Queens Beer Week coming up, uh, we just had the Special Barrier beer. What, which beer is that? Uh, and Dan, Daniel Bronson, uh, one of the Queens Beer Week organizers here. Sure, yeah. So this uh, delicious beer we're drinking is called the Queen of Tarts. This is made specifically for Queens Beer Week by Barrier Brewing Company. Um, so this is an extra pale ale that's made with 200 fresh limes, which really, really comes through. Zest and juice in both of those. Um, it's mosaic hop and uh, the other uh, slips my mind. But. Great. And also a guest is coming on a little later in the show. We have a, a, a transmitter beer. Uh, what, what beer is that, Daniel? It's really great, too. So Transmitter is a brand-new brewery that's going to be opening up in Queens. Um, you can actually taste their stuff for the first time uh, kind of officially on Friday at Crescent and Vine. We'll be doing an event with them to kind of start off Queens Beer Week. Um, but I'm sure Anthony can tell you a little bit more about the specific beer great. than I can. Well, we're going to get to Anthony in a few minutes. But So Queens Beer Week's kicking off this weekend? Yeah, absolutely. It's the 18th through the 27th. It uh, kind of unofficially starts on Friday, but the big kickoff party is going to be on the 19th at Single Cut Beersmiths calling it the Taste of Queens from 7 to 11. Love that. All right, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back soon with Queens Beer Week and with Steve Hindy uh, from Brooklyn Brewery on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. like good beer. Whether you're a craft beer pro or just have your first sip of an IPA, GreatBrewers.com is your number one beer resource on the internet. GreatBrewers.com bridges the gap between the world's great brewers and the consumers who enjoy their products. With so much information and misinformation out there, GreatBrewers.com focuses on education and leaves no stone unturned. Take the Great Beer Test on their website and browse through an extensive product catalog. Download their mobile beer cloud app, which includes a GPS beer finder, a beer sommelier, and descriptions for over 5,000 different brews. What are you waiting for? Back up that passion for craft beer with some solid information and education. Visit greatbrewers.com today. 
Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We're out here at Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, hanging out with Steve Hindi. He's just got a new book out, The Craft Beer Revolution, and uh, the guys from Queens Beer Week. And also, uh, a first, uh, the newest brewery in Queens uh, transmitter, Anthony's here, and we, and we just tasted some of his beers, too. So, we've got a great show going on. Ben from Queens Kickshot, Tommy from Sunswick, and Daniel from Queens Beer Week. All right, so Steve, uh, we had, we're just talking about your book and, and, and so how you got started with Brooklyn Brewery. Um, so you've also f- featured some of the, the new generation of, of brewers, and, including uh, some of our friends from the New York area, like Barrier. Yeah, the last chapter of the book tries to look at, at the future. And uh, so I, I interviewed some of the startups uh, that I think have unique business models. And it's amazing. There's a flowering of both the business models for craft breweries and of uh, style development uh, among craft breweries, innovation in craft beer. And, you know, I know transmitters here tonight, but also in Queens you got uh, Single Cut, you got Queens Brewery. I interviewed uh, Evan Klein from uh, – Barrier Brewing, uh, who's uh, an amazing guy who's really survived uh, Superstorm uh, Sandy. There's a photo in the book of him pointing to the place on the tanks where the water came up during the storm uh, at his brewery. And Big Alice Brewing, uh, which is uh, uh, essentially a member brewery where the customers get certain beers every month from uh, Big Alice. Uh, that's profiled. And those are, uh, you know, uh, both examples of, of kind of the passion of craft brewers and the new generation of craft brewers, which uh, I think, uh, you know, I mean, these these guys are uh, 30, 40 years younger than I am. And you can really see that there's incredible uh, vision and energy in the future of craft brewing. So, Daniel, for Queensbury Week, so... How did you so Barrier made the the special Queens Beer Week beer? Tell us that process. Yeah, so I mean the whole Queens Beer Week process is a pretty short story. Um, basically, the folks you're seeing in this room, we all had a meeting to kind of discuss what we were going to do for New York Beer Week, and we decided that you know, as Queens, home to now seven breweries, you know, it was probably time that Queens had its own Beer Week. Um, so we kind of talked about it and we uh, put it together, and this is what ended up coming out of it. Um, Pretty much everyone in this room also has a pretty strong relationship with Barrier Brewing Company, so I reached out to them right away. And, of course, right out the gate, Craig and Evan were all about it. Um, so we sat down and we designed this beautiful beer, which you're tasting now, which I'm really excited about. You can taste it all over Queens and a couple select Manhattan establishments too later in the week. Um, but you, you got to try it. It's fantastic. You want to introduce Anthony, Anthony from Transmitter, because yep. he's, he's the new kid on the block. Absolutely, yeah. That, well, you just did. We tasted, we tasted uh, some of... His beer, too, is Saison. Uh, thank you. You know, I first should say um, to Steve, you know, Brooklyn Brewery made it possible for us to even come along 30 years later and start a small brewery. So that's really important to acknowledge. Um, and uh, Thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, here we go. Um, startup brewery, um, you know, excited to be part of Queens Brewery beer week starting straight out um you know we basically are have been brewing a month so um uh we're all in do you have any questions for steve because i mean you're brand new brand spanking new yeah the paperwork (laughs) (laughs) good luck with that tell me about your first beer here that we're sipping uh we're drinking uh Sort of, we we don't brew particularly to style. So you're drinking right now what we call a, a mahogany saison. It's sort of a, I'd call it sort of a, a porter with um, that's brewed with the saison yeast, and then it's bottled on Brettanomyces. Um, the Brettanomyces is just starting to express itself um, in a, on a low level, but that will develop over time. Um, we basically will brew with about 80% of the time brew with wild uh, yeast. Um, that's our that's our program. That's where we're headed. Um, and uh, so I have a, a library of about 30 Brett yeasts that we use in various, um, you know, with various process between um, to give it sort of a funky, earthy. But you're, you're into different yeast. That's kind I, of your thing. Where right? yeast, where I, I consider us a yeast. And right now, are the, you guys just like you're making small batches? Do you have a tasting room? 
no tasting room. Uh, we'll do growlers and bottle sales out of the out of the brewery um, and samples. But um, you know, we're we're on a three barrel system, two and a half barrel system. We're starting, and we're going to grow it organically and see where it heads. And where will you be available during Queens Beer Week? Which uh, Crescent and Vine Friday night. Uh, Saturday night we'll do samples at Single Cut. Um, Queens Kickshaw uh, later in the week. Yeah, and we got Tommy Tommy Ortega from Sunswick, Hello. Uh, one of the Good Beer Seal bars in uh, in Queens. Tommy, tell us a little more about uh, uh, Queens Beer Week. Oh uh, yeah, no, like as Dan said, it was uh, us getting together one night, the four of us over a lot of beer. Uh, what? Well, What's it? The it was at the Strand, actually. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, we were just talking about how you know. Well, what it comes down to is you know, like uh, there's the New York City Beer Week, and that's great, but it's like you know, the focus is mostly in Manhattan and those events. And you know, Brooklyn really doesn't get a lot of love, and Queens definitely doesn't get a lot of love. And we're like, well, let's do something separate just for us, and uh, that's what that's basically the. The genesis of it was let's let's showcase what we can well, do. I love over what here. you guys are doing. I love that the the new breweries are working with with the small bars and restaurants. Yeah. I mean that's what it's all about. And uh, I'm going to be there this weekend. So what should I go to? Should I go uh, Saturday to Single Cut? Is that where I should go? You have Dana. to. It's the Taste of Queens. It's the kickoff events. The hallmark. Every brewery in Queens will be there tasting on their beers. Yeah. Local vendors. Uh, we've got music some f- from uh, some good friends of the beer industry. Henry Joseph from the Pony Bar is going to do the music selection in his band. Uh, it's going to be a big old party. It's going to be a great Saturday night and a terrible Sunday morning. Well, th- yeah. this must be really satisfying <laughs> for Steve to see, you know, because talking about 1988, it doesn't seem that long ago, but now there's there's like you know little micro beer weeks in every borough and and other part. There's Saratoga Beer Week. There's Long Island mm-hmm. Beer Week. You know, it's you must be proud, Steve. Uh, you're you're talking about getting together all the breweries in, in Queens and doing a celebration. And it, it's really not that different than the first craft brewers conference mm-hmm. out in uh, Denver in 1984. I think there were fewer than 50 people uh, at that at that craft brewers conference way back then. And, uh, you know, I just, uh, last week I was at the craft brewers conference in, in Denver again, and there were 10,000 people there. So. Wow. I mean, who knows where Queen's uh, Beer Week is going to go. You know, back in the day, there were a lot of breweries in Brooklyn and Queen's, and uh, uh, we're bringing them back. Uh, And it's very exciting. And the kind of collaborative efforts that you guys are are putting together to do Queen's Beer Week and, and, you know, transmitters uh, launching uh, with the help of Single Cut, that's exactly the kind of collaboration and collective action that that I've I've chronicled uh, in the craft beer revolution. Uh, that's really so important to getting us to where we are today. All right, and Steve, going back to your book again, Craft Beer Revolution. Uh, you mentioned uh, two friends in particular: Kim Jordan of New Belgium in Fort Collins, Colorado, and Gary Fisk of the Shoots in Bend, Oregon. Yeah, uh, tell us a little about your friendship and how that developed. Well, and some projects you worked on. All three of us uh, have been very much involved uh, with the Brewers Association. Uh, You know, in the beginning, there was the old Brewers Association of America, which was really regional breweries around the country. It started in in the 1940s during World War II when uh, things like tin and barley were being rationed by the government. And the small, the regional breweries in the country got together and started the Brewers Association of America to make sure that the regional breweries got their fair share of the raw materials that were being rationed because the big national breweries had a big presence uh, in Washington. The small guys didn't. So that's where the BAA came from. By the 1980s, the early 80s, the BAA uh, uh, actually, uh, uh, Nick Matt from the, the Saranac Brewery up in Utica, called it the last man standing club oh uh, because those old regional breweries were going out of business one out, one after the other. And the craft breweries got involved with the BAA and kind of took it over. Uh, not that it was so tough to take over. I mean, it was kind of falling apart. And then we ended up merging with the AOB, the Association of Brewers, which was started by Charlie Papazian, 
in, in Boulder, Colorado, and ran the Great American Beer Festival and the Craft Brewers Conference. We merged those two organizations into the Brewers Association, which is now a real powerhouse uh, in lobbying in Washington, and, uh, and it's fostered the creation of 50 uh, uh, state brewers' guilds uh, around the country. Uh, actually, the budget for the Brewers Association there this year is $20 million. So that is all collective efforts by craft brewers. There are no big brewers contributing to that. Actually, years ago when we wrote a position paper opposing the equity contracts, so-called equity contracts that the big brewers were making distributors sign, when we wrote a, a position paper opposing that, the big brewers pulled all their money out of the Brewers Association. So we've never had support from them uh, since then. Uh, but, you know, we're big enough now to stand on our own. And, and Gary, Kim, and I have been involved in this thing uh, from the beginning. But, you know, apart from that, just going to the GABF year after year, going to the Craft Brewers Conference, uh, rubbing shoulders with other breweries who are facing the same challenges we're facing, exchanging ideas. Uh, you know, I always came away from the GABF and the Craft Brewers Conference excited about my business because I'd learned something new, not just from the presentations, but from my fellow craft brewers. Uh, there's a real collegial sense. People are very generous with their knowledge and with their time, and uh, that's been critical to the craft beer revolution, I believe. But what, you, you have some special skills, Steve. I mean, you're able to navigate, you know, going back to then, you're able to navigate, you know, international relationships and, you know, <laughs> distributors and all these things. I mean, what, what skills do you bring to it that, that others, others haven't? Well, um, you know, uh, the, the beer making, the brewing at Brooklyn Brewery is really in the hands of Garrett Oliver. I mean, I have uh, opinions about beer, and, uh, you know, I was a home brewer, but Garrett really creates most of our beers, and uh, he has a great brewing team. That's the reason I say most of our beers, because the, the team is heavily involved now, too. Uh, I think, you know... Some of the skills I had as a journalist have been very valuable uh, in, in, in starting a brewery and, and, and selling beer. Uh, you know, I know how to promote. I know how to write. I know how to appeal to the media for, for stories. Uh, all that has been important. Also, reporters are very persistent. And, you know, to sell beer, you got to be persistent. Reporters need to sell themselves to their sources to get people to tell them things. And, you know, to sell beer, you have to sell yourself to the sources. To raise money to start a brewery, you have to sell yourself to your investors. And uh, so those skills have, have been helpful, helpful uh, to me. But having said that, uh, I think I'm the only journalist I know who's now in the beer business. So, You know, when you all go out and buy the, the book, there's a great quote when you opened a Brooklyn Brewery, the first brewery in the 90s, is a quote from Mayor Giuliani. Yeah. And well, yeah. He, he joked with you about... <laughs> I introduced Giuliani uh, uh, to the press when we opened our brewery on May 28th, uh, 1996, uh, in Williamsburg. And Giuliani pulled me up next to him, put his arm around me and said, I want all you reporters here to look at this man. He used to be a journalist. Now he's making an honest living. <laughs> and and they, uh, the reporters loved it. And then Giuliani came inside and, and poured beer for all the press. Uh, actually, his staff had to drag him out of there. He had a great time that day. <laughs> That's the picture I want to see. <laughs> hey, this is this, we're having a great time here. In fact, we just poured a, a special bottle of the Cuvée Noir uh, from Brooklyn Brewery. I know I've had that from Garrett Oliver before. This is like on it's on like some wine leaves, right? something uh actually it's a belgian stout uh that's made uh with 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 a belgian yeast and then it's aged in bourbon barrels wow. we we did this beer a couple of years ago on draft this is the bottled version which actually is being released at the brewery on may 3rd so you're getting a little preview here actually i haven't tasted it yet so i'm looking forward to it it's got a really beautiful label uh 
kind of an African goddess on on uh, on the label there, and a beautiful uh, illustration done by Milton Glaser, our our designer. It has a similar feel to the the Black Ops, which has been a huge collectible as well. Yes, for you guys. Yeah. All right, hey, we're going to take another short break. Uh, we'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. All the break music you've been hearing today is by a band called Hard Bodies. That's Hard Bodies. You're listening to Beer Sessions Radio. Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. All right, guys. Rock on. Hey, we're out here at Roberta's in Bushwick. It's the heritageradionetwork.org. Uh, if you're not a member, you should be. There, there's student rates and, and, and consumer rates and corporate rates. I have to say it's, it's one of the best networks. We call it the Food NPR, whether you want to learn about cheese, farming, or, or good beer. And there's even a wine show and a, a spirit show. Speakeasy, my buddy uh, Damon Bolte. So uh, check us out, heritageradionetwork.org. So we got Steve Hindy, his new book's out, Craft Beer Revolution. We've got the guys from, we're calling you guys the guys from Queens Beer Week. Uh, uh, you know, new breweries and uh, the collective, right, Daniel? So, uh, Steve, you, you know, the, there's some serious stuff in your book. You know, uh, you've, you've covered everything from the, the beginning of craft beer with Fritz Maytag and, um, you know, New Albion, which is, which is a cool story. A guy who made it's pretty much his brewery by hand and... Uh, Worked it to the bone, and, you know, we've all learned from that, and I'm sure you guys did. Um, but uh, tell us what happened with Jim Cook. So it's like the early 90s, there was the beer wars, and everyone wants to know, you know, you guys were fighting with distributors and, and market share, and, you know, you guys were just figuring out. Like, what happened with Jim Cook? What were, what were the beer wars? Well, you know, Jim is the most successful of all the craft breweries with, with Sam Adams, and uh, – I mean, Jim is a super smart guy and a really hardworking guy, and I have great respect for him. But uh, he and I have battled each other uh, many times over the years. Uh, in the early days, it, it related to the consumer preference poll, which was the way the Great American Beer Festival started out. Basically, people coming into the festival voted for their favorite beer. And uh, there was a lot of chicanery, a lot of... Uh, vote rigging uh, going on back then. People were buying tickets for consumers to come in and vote for them. They were giving away hats to people to vote for them. There were pretty girls pouring the beer. There was all kind of it stuff It was like going. a popularity contest. And exactly. You could rig it. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, we fought against that for several years, and uh, and Jim was at the center of it because he dominated that. He, he won that like three years in a row. Then he skipped a year. Then he run, won again. Uh, and and <laughs> uh, eventually uh, it, it developed into the professional blind tasting as a way of awarding the prizes. And that I'm very proud of the way that worked out because that regimen uh, for judging is copied now all over the world. I mean, it's really as foolproof as you can get uh, to, to give awards for, for the merit of a, of a beer. And, uh, you know, there were other battles with Jim over his Oregon Ales. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, he and I are, are friends. And uh, actually, he wrote a, a very funny blurb uh, for, for the back of my book. Uh, it, it goes something like, Steve Hindy and I disagree about many things including many stories in this book. <laughs> However, it's a great characterization of the people who have made the craft beer revolution happen. So, uh, you know, uh, Jim's a, a, a real powerhouse uh, in the craft brewing industry, and he's made 
tremendous contributions. You know, I know the, the process of you writing the book, The Craft Beer Revolution. You did a lot of interviews yourself. Yeah. Um, tell us about w- one, one interview that you really learned from or something that you, you learned from doing the book. Well, actually, I think the most interesting uh, interviews for me personally were with distributors. Uh, the chapter called The Jailbreak, which tells about, uh, you know, the years, uh, say, seven or eight years ago, when the Anheuser-Busch network, which had been exclusively Anheuser-Busch products, opened up to craft beer. That was a major step forward for the craft beer revolution. Because up to that point, uh, craft brewers only had the Miller Coors distributors to sell their beer or wine distributors. And typically, when a distributor took your beer on, they would say, well, I'll deliver it, but you got to sell the beer. And that all changed when, when the Anheuser-Busch distributors opened up. And actually, one of the pioneers of that whole movement was Jerry Sheehan with Union Beer here in uh, Brooklyn. Um, we sold Jerry our distribution company, and he just went after it in a huge way. Jerry now has craft beer distributors in 14 states, and he's a major force. He has converted so many uh, Anheuser-Busch distributors to craft beer, uh, and, 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 you know, he's a really interesting guy and, and a, very, uh, a real visionary. Um, and, and I profiled Gary, uh, Jerry in, in the book. There's another brewery, uh, I mean, another distributor in Texas, Benny Keith. Benny Keith used to be the biggest Anheuser-Busch distributor in the country. Uh, up until about seven years ago, they were exclusive AB. At that time, they were selling 39 million cases of Anheuser-Busch products a year. They took us on. They took Harpoon. They took on some other craft breweries about six or seven years ago. Last year, they sold 35 million cases of AB products and 3.8 million cases of craft beer. And the craft beer is much more profitable for them than the AB. So what they've lost in AB uh, sales, they picked up in craft beer, and it's more profitable. And that's a reason why AB distributors all across the country are very eager to get into the craft beer business today. Wow. This, there's so many great stories. You've got you to check out the book. Um, you know, Ben, you as a small beer bar owner in Queens, um, you want to ask Steve a question? I bet you have a question. Oh, I bet Tommy does from Sunsweet. All right, I got a quick question. Was Brooklyn Brewery the first name that you came up with, or were there other names? Do you remember what any of those other oh, names yeah. were? <laughs> you know, uh, I was a journalist for 15 years before I got into this. because So my original idea was to call it Brooklyn Eagle Beer, okay. after the Brooklyn Eagle newspaper, which okay. was edited by Walt Whitman. And uh, I... I, I spent a lot of time interviewing designers trying to come up with uh, you know uh, an image for the company and I ended up with Milton Glaser uh, the guy who did the I Love New York logo and I remember the first meeting where I told Milton all about this idea and uh, he kind of patiently listened to all my talk and and he, he, he the first thing he said was look you got Brooklyn here forget the eagle who needs an eagle we got Brooklyn. And, you know, believe it or not, in 1987, when we were working on this, a lot of people, including our original investors, said, you really want to call it Brooklyn? I'm not sure how that's going to work. You know, the image is not that great. But we believed in Brooklyn, and Milton believed in Brooklyn, and uh, obviously it's turned out to be an incredible name. Uh, I, I mean, I think it's the reason... We're not only selling beer in 26 states, but in 25 countries uh, around the world. Great. Mike, really Mike nice. was a little familiar. You want to ask Steve a question? Um, not really, but um, I, I just came on the show. Justin, uh, who's the producer here, uh, said it's like the show is going to be about the uh, Queen's Beer Week and everything. Happy to hang with uh, Dan, Tommy, 
Ben. Um, it was a really, uh, really nice surprise that you're on the show today because um, I've been with uh, Union Beer Distributors, and I do a small segmented brand of the more kind of niche esoteric brands within the distributor. But before I started with Union Beer, which will be seven years in August, a um, friend of mine works in the industry. He's like, you got to read this uh, book called Beer School. And it's pretty much uh, what you, Steve, and, um, and Tom wrote years ago about um, having, you know, Brooklyn as a distributor. It goes back to your talks in the Middle East, um, brewing over there and everything. Really eye-opener. And the, and the coolest part about it is, like, this, uh, this, this friend of mine who still works in the industry said, he's like, towards the end of the book, you're going to realize the distributor you're working for, okay? Yeah. And, you know, um, one, of my, one of my bosses, one of many bosses, one of the bosses I'm most fond of is uh, Robert Hudson. Yeah. And Robert kind of kind of transitioned um, around the same time that um, Union Beer bought the Crap Brewers portfolio from Brooklyn Brewery, which yeah. included uh, Sierra Nevada, Chimay, Sam Smith. I mean, Lagunitas and, and Allagash. And those guys weren't really around at the time or weren't part yeah, of... Yeah, no, that's true. So that's sorry, great. Sorry, go, go, so, moving on. Um, one question. Yeah, um, how do you... Um, how do you like the climate of what Brooklyn has become and what the New York, and what New York City has become since 1987, 88? Oh, I think it's amazing. Uh, and, and uh, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's unstoppable. Um, it, it's become such a great community of uh, creators, mm-hmm. of, of people who want to do things. Uh, you know, I think... I think Brooklyn, Brooklyn has always been this way. Brooklyn is a is a borough of strivers. So is Queens. I mean, it, it's the same. You know, we're all we're all brothers. Uh, in 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 the reason we're in New York City and the reason we choose to live uh, outside of Manhattan. Uh, and uh, you know, I'm 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 just amazed at uh, uh, how young people are pouring. Young educated people are pouring into. Brooklyn and Queens now. It, it's, it's really almost a reversal of the white flight that happened in the 50s and 60s when uh, people moved out to the suburbs. I know so many people who moved out to the suburbs and, and raised kids there, and their kids are now back in Brooklyn or Queens, and they can't believe it. Uh, Steve, you know, it's funny. When sure. I first started in industry, the early 90s, I worked in a restaurant in Union Square. And when I first met your craft brewers, Gillick guys, they refused to let me sell Brooklyn Brewery. They said we will not serve anything named Brooklyn in Manhattan because they said it had such a bad name back then. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah, yeah, I, I believe it. Uh, and it's funny, there was a guy uh, named James the Beard. Uh, that was his, uh, that was his uh, uh, you know, nickname out, out in Bay Ridge. And I beat my head against a wall trying to sell beer in Bay Ridge. It was very tough. And Beard said to me, Beard was a sommelier, uh, master sommelier uh, with a restaurant out in, in Bay Ridge. Beard said to me, look, until you sell this in Manhattan, it's not going to sell in Bay Ridge. Because they look to Manhattan for their taste. And, and uh, that's kind of a sad uh, commentary on Brooklyn. But, you know, Beard was right about that. It took a long time to sell ba- uh, beer in Bay Ridge. All right. Let's get a few more comments from everybody. Uh, Daniel from Queens Beer Week. Daniel, uh, tell us a few more things about Queens Beer Week, and if you have a question for Steve. Yeah, of ask. course. Well, more than a question, I have uh, just a, a commandment to Steve, because you said my favorite phrase, which we all laughed because I said it twice in the taxi ride over here. And it's kind of what Queens Beer Week is built all about, and the rising tide does bring all the boats up. Yeah. And it's very true, you know, it, and, you know, kind of one of the founding principles of Queen's Beer Week because we want it to be a very egalitarian concept. There's no charge for any of the bars or restaurants to participate in Queen's Beer Week. Our budget is almost nothing. You know, we really want it to be open not just to the beer bars and the breweries and the beer fans, but also those people who, you know, live and work in Queen's who maybe don't know a ton about craft beer or they're new to craft beer to really go out and be welcome in that environment. And, uh, yeah, you, you hit it on – you hit the nail on the head on that one. Well, so so did you guys. That's it's great to hear you're developing it that way, because that's the kind of energy that you can capture with craft beer, and and uh, you know it, it's all about the energy and the passion. Absolutely, Steve. Tell us uh, about a few of the places you're going to be traveling uh, with your book and the Mash program for Brooklyn Brewery. Are you going to be? Have, is your book yeah, going to travel with that? 
yeah, I'm going to be uh, in about uh, 35 cities uh, doing uh, book events. Last week I was in Denver, Portland, Seattle, and L.A., and uh, I'll do the events in New York, you know, the New York Public Library event on the 25th with Charlie Papazian and Kim Jordan. And then I'm going on the road, and it's like Atlanta, uh, Atlanta, Austin, San Jose, uh, San Francisco, uh, Sweden. So we can follow uh, you on the, the brooklynbrewery.com, the blog? We can, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody uh, wants to follow Steve. Uh, I, I think that we well, should I'm just doing, all go uh, with you. Yeah, right. <laughs> right? You'll love it in uh, Sweden. Well, we, 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 we're running out of time, and it, it, it's so great to have everybody on. We had, a, had a, a great, great group of people here. Let's go around the room one more time, and everyone, uh, please say your name and your affiliation. Uh, this is a great show. Um, Tommy Ortega. I'm bar manager over at Sunswick in Astoria. Awesome. I'm Mike Lavulo. I work for Union Beer Distributors, and just wanted to plug uh, me and my friends at the Blind Tiger. It's the third year. Is it your birthday tomorrow? tomorrow Mike? It's my tar- it's my birthday tomorrow. Mike uh, Lavulo, Lavulo Palooza. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they allowed me to choose all 28 draft lines. It's a really sick list. Was and, and to jump in, what, that's what, a beer salesman's dream. It is. It is. And it's only for Dave and Catherine. What's that what Steve Catherine. did with uh, from Book and Brewery with the Craft Brewers Guild. A lot of that is is being sold by guys like Mike Lavulo and Union Beer, and it's kind of the, the the core of all that we do in craft beer in New York City. So, cheers to you, Steve. For and I, I think that I'm digressing, but I think that it may have been a distraction, but I think that also you really did help build the New York City beer scene uh, by distributing those other beers as well. So, cheers! Oh to yeah, you. and and we believed in it. Uh, you know, we we had uh, the. The idea of all all a rising tide is uh, at the core of the craft beer revolution. Awesome. And Ben? Uh, I'm Ben from the Queen's Kickshaw. All right. And again, Dan Bronson from Queen's Beer Week and Crescent Vine. And you can get all the events for Queen's Beer Week at queensbeerweek.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at Queen's Beer Week. 35-plus events, 70 venues all over Queens, Friday the 18th through Sunday the 27th. All right. And Anthony Cardi at Transmitter Brewing. All right. The newest brewery in Queens. All right, we liked your beers, too. And we had that great, tell us again, what was a special Queen's Beer Week beer? Yeah, you can check it out. It's from Barrier Brewing. It's called the Queen of Tarts, extra pale ale with tons and tons of limes. Available all over Queen's. Uh, check queensbeerweek.com. You can find out where you can get it or beermenus.com. It'll be on there, too. All right, if I missed any events, I'm sorry, but we had it's a special night. we got Queen's Beer Week and Steve Hindy's new book. Uh, that's been a very cool night for me. Uh, I'd like to thank our sponsors at GreatBrewers.com who helped to bring this podcast to you tonight. Thanks to Steve, Dan, Ben, Anthony, Mike, and everybody else for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Maggie Seiden and Justin Kennedy, and our engineer, Jack Inslee. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. All right, right Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.